The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. able this morning. We do this out of honor of God's Word. Uh, if you're able to stand this morning, let's read verse John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Verse 7 through 21. Be reading out of the English Standard Version, and it says this this morning. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest or has appeared among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If you're an underliner, underline propitiation and memorize it. Beloved, if God so loved us, so we ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, if, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen this, and testify the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. It's the second time. And whoever abides in love abides in God. God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are, so also we are in this world. We in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Amen. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not, cannot love his brother whom he cannot love, who he, who he has seen, rather, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Eight reasons to love God this morning. Brief points. I pray there will be an encouragement to you, a challenge to you as you examine that question. Can I love God and not love my neighbor? And how is your love life, spiritually speaking, this morning? Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father God, we are reminded again today that you are the great, awesome God. Father, there is none like you in heaven on earth. And Father, how great is your love to us that while we were yet sinners, you love, first loved us. Father, as we so often say from this pulpit in our classrooms, we could not love you naturally. Father, we are rebels to the core. We are enemies to the core. We are at war with you. We hate you to the core, Lord. But yet, despite that, in your great love, you sent forth your son. Father, how grateful we are today. Father, I pray as we examine perhaps some familiar verses, but Father, remind us of the simple things that often go out for the deeper things in our lives. Father, as we come through this, may it all be undergirded by the unction and power of the Holy Spirit, whom we know is the only one who can apply these things to our hearts. Father, we pray all this for your name, for your glory, for your sake, and the advancement of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. So, eight reasons to love. Many of you can take these and write them down in a card next to February and give them to your spouse, amen? And that'll be an easy card for you to follow. But why love? Well, the first reason to love here, friends, is because you can or should love. Look at verse 7. He says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. 
God commands that we love. I, I, that sounds kind of funny, but we should love others, for love comes from God. That's how we can love. John was telling these believers that their ability to love came from God. It wasn't from them. It came from God. And in fact, the very love from God that was true was what separated these from false teachers. The false teachers were walking around, as we've talked about, saying, I have the special knowledge from God, but they lacked one major thing. They lacked love, biblical love, not love like I love a burrito. Uh, burritos are good. Uh, but if you ever study foreign languages, you know, even in Spanish, that uh, a lot of people walk around and say, me gusta, I love, I love this. But really, the best way to say it is, is me cae bien, I really like something. Because you can't just walk around saying, me, uh, me gusta burritos. Uh, that means you super love burritos. And you may not always super love burritos the way you should. But Christians, when we say love, we are talking about the love that God has given us in Christ. And have you ever thought about your own ability to love, your capacity to love? If you're not a Christian here today, we understand that humans have fallen. We understand that we were all made with the structure to love in God's image, but our impulse to love has been twisted and turned all about by things and people that should not have happened. And if you're a non-Christian here today, I just want to say you may be able to love better than some Christians you know, but you're doing it in a self-motivated way. And if you're not a Christian here today, I don't, I don't have to met you to know that, that every person thinks they love better than they do. Have you ever known someone like that? That they try and present themselves in a way. But when you become a Christian, you understand that we're freed up to love as God loves. We can love in that way. And that's the first major point. We can love. And friends, the first takeaway is this. As our nation races towards a precipice, a cliff, an edge, it might be God's judgment on us in the upcoming election months and other things. But whatever happens, may we be gently loved and serve all of those around us. Don't forget about that. We can love, and what an opportunity that is. Every part of a Christian's call to society is a part to love one another. That's what ethics is all about. I know that sounds funny from the pulpit. Is this a Bible lesson or an ethics lesson? But every decision that Christian ethicists make comes from this truth, that no Christian conception of action cannot spring from love one to another. And the same goes for the church. Every action we make in this church is around the command to love your neighbor as yourself. What you aim at yourself, you aim for in your neighbor. Not necessarily sports teams or favorite foods, but what you want to see biblically, that's where you start. And friends, this is the basis of evangelism, isn't it? Love. Sometimes, I, you know, back in days gone by, many centuries gone by, it used to be get as many people saved as you can by whatever method you can. I'm grateful at this church. We don't just win the people to whatever we win them to. We win them to the gospel because we love them enough to tell them the truth about the gospel. Friends, if we win someone to an ungodly method, then we have to keep them by ungodly means. What you win them to is what you keep them to. Love is also the basis of raising families. Love is the basis of an honest day's work. Love is the basis of everything we do. You love your neighbors well, as God says here, and you can by the way you show your love one to another, even in the workplace, by working honestly, by not surfing the web when your boss isn't looking, by, by not checking your phone every two minutes because you're getting a text message that's not an emergency. God's love is not a mere concept. It is reality. And what John is saying here very clearly is, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. 
That's why even in politics, that when we as Christians pray about how we can shape biblical ethics, biblical truth into the fabric of our society, it's rooted on the foundation of love. We love our neighbor best when we support things that the Bible supports. And may we as a church especially do that. May we seek ways to really show the love of God in Christ as we ought to day by day. Friends, and meditate on God's love for you. Think about how God has loved you, even when you didn't deserve it. Mark, thank you for reminding us of that in Psalm this morning. Even when we didn't deserve it, God loved us. We can love because we can. Don't take that for granted. That's the first thing he says. We can love because we can. Why else? What's another reason to love? Number two, because of who God is. Look back at verses 7 and 8. Look back at verses 7 and 8. John says, second part of verse 7, he says, and whoever has been born of God knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Friends, this is so clear-cut. We've been asking that underlying question through this whole series. How do you know you're a Christian? Loving others is evidence you know who God is. Because if you don't love your neighbor, if you don't love whoever God has put in your path, then you are not carrying the very nature of who God is. And false teachers come all along and claim a special knowledge of God but not having a love life. You know, I'm just going to say his name because I think you need to avoid this man. I think it's publicly okay to do this as long as we point to the right direction. Benny Hinn, you know Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn is very popular in these days. Benny Hinn claims to have a special gift to heal people. Yet it's ironic because on that day, Benny Hinn only heals people on a certain stage at a certain time under his conditions. I would love if Benny Hinn would go down to North Kansas City Hospital and go touch every sick person and see what happens. If Benny Hinn really has that gift of healing as he says he has, why doesn't he go show it in the local hospitals? People says he does. No, he doesn't. Friends, he lives in a $20 million house and flies in a private jet and takes donations from people all the time. That's what the false teachers of 1 John were doing. They were claiming a special knowledge of God and then walking away without any love to show it behind their actions. But we don't escape from this, do we? Have you noticed how selfish your love can be? Pick any relationship you want, husband to wife, brother to brother, sister to brother, aunt, uncle, whatever. Why do you love that person? Is it because of their, what they give you? Is it because of their appearance? Is it because of their wealth or personality or dreams? Or you're attracted by the way they look or love you back? Friends, as we love in Christ, we love as God has called us to love. And Christ's love taught us self-denial is love. The culture says if they don't love you in a way that you like, then, then just leave them. The Bible says differently that we are to work to realize that we are to love others as God gave his life for us. God is love. I mean, consider, think about this. Consider how many prayers God has answered for you in your lifetime. He has been faithful. He's been merciful. He's been trustworthy. He's been good and gracious more times than we can account. Friends, if God answered all your prayers, this is the first application point. If God answered all your prayers... Would the world be different or, or, or just your life be different? Would the world look more like your prayers or would it more, more like what God wants? I mean, think about this. How many times has God been faithful to you? How many times has God given you wisdom when you prayed for wisdom or, or, or given you the big job that you wanted? God, just give me this job and I'll give you all that I have. Or thank God that we have Bibles, amen? Thank God for those. In a language we can understand, we don't, I don't know Latin. I would love to know Latin. That'd be amazing. But I can't speak Latin, and even if I could, you could probably understand it, right? Thank God that he's been faithful to us and that our love 
for one another starts because he's loved us. Even in the smallest things God has given you, those trials in your life, those things that irk you, when you get to Christ, the goodness of God is like a tidal wave when you count up all your blessings. It's like, it's like going on the monsoon. I hate water rides. I don't know about you. I hate water rides because it makes my stomach go from here to like up above my head. But it's almost, that's what God's love is like. When you truly know you can love because God is who he is, you are freed up to love people as Christ has taught us to love. And that changes your perspective. God is love and understanding that will color your relationship in a good way with him and with others. Church, this is why we have a statement of faith. Uh, it, it, we, we've resurrected this a lot in a church covenant. But in our church covenant that most Baptist churches have in this area, it says a quote. It says, how we will live together by God's grace. And it talks about the impetus for our love, the foundation for our love. is just what John is saying here. Our church love is not based on just a command. It is based on who God is. And you are free to love as he did because we need to work out our love one to another. That's why we love. That's the second point. Third point is this. Why should we love? Because you can, because of who God is. And thirdly, look back at verse 9 through 11, because of how God has loved you. Let's get a little more deeper into that. Look at verses 9 through 11. John says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his Son into the world that we might live through him. Amen, VBS 2009. That was your memory verse, just so you know. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Friends, John clearly has taught that the fullness of God's love in the gospel is created an obligation for us to love. And Christians love each other are fulfilled when we love as Christ has loved. Look, verse 10 says it. God's love is an atoning sacrifice that satisfied God's just wrath against him. Friends, don't forget that. It is so easy. This is probably the easiest message to preach. Just get up and talk about love. Who's going who's gonna to debate you on that, right? I mean, you get up and talk about love, people are going to be like, yeah. But when you remind us, as John does here, that Christ was sent as a propitiation for our sin, we have to be reminded that God's love came at supreme cost. God's love came as the wrath of God due for our sin was poured out on Jesus alone. Friends, it is completely okay to share the love of God with someone. Amen? But your gospel presentation is deficient. Well, let's just say unbiblical if you do not share the judgment of God. It's like me going up as a doctor to you and saying, look, you have a very bad disease. But let me tell you what. I love you, patient. And I have the cure. But I just love you. Isn't that enough for you? I I love you. And, And you would look at that doctor and what would you say? Give me that medicine or there's going to be a police car here in the next two minutes, right? You want that medicine. Friends, to tell people that God is love without sharing with them what John does, that Christ came and literally took on every ounce of the wrath of God that we deserve is not loving. It's the most unloving thing that you could do. You have to share the bad news and by golly, be lying to the good news because that is what Christ has done. And having been loved like this, verse 11, we ought to love one another. Friends, that's why the application point here is very simple. God's love for you is not an endorsement of your living, but a demonstration of his character. Verse 11 is so clear on this. It says, uh, if you go back to verse 11, it says, uh, track my eyes here. Beloved, if, it says we have not lo- that he loved us and sent his son. 
that we have not loved God. Sorry, verse 10, that we have not loved God. Friends, when someone comes up to you who's not a Christian and says, I love God, be very careful because the Bible affirms that they do not love God except if they've gone through the narrow and only way, which is Jesus Christ. We can find many people who say they love God, but the demonstration of that is a right belief put with right practice. I believe Christ is Savior, therefore I love because he says, love me so. The power of any action of love is no small part of who is the lover and who the loved are in this passage. If you're not a Christian here today, our holy and creator God, this amazing God that we serve, made us and we have rebelled and continue to rebel, yet he loves us. I, I, I can't put words to that, friend. Jesus is God in the flesh and he says you are to repent and believe the gospel. That is what it is. It's not by praying a magical prayer. It's not by being baptized. It's not by walking an aisle. It is by trusting in Christ alone. And Christian, may God humble each of us with that truth here today. When you are struggling to see love one to another in the congregation for someone that needs to be loved the way Christ said to love, remember how God has loved you. And that will open your eyes to see it. Maybe even in your marriage. Maybe even in your marriage that you were part of that relationship that you are looking for something of love. You were using lust as an excuse and putting love on top of it. Maybe you need to see your spouse or your children as those who God has loved supremely. Even as imperfect as they are. Even though things need to be corrected. May we be slow to take offense and be patient with one another. Be patient with one another. He goes on. We're going pretty quick, amen? Some of you aren't so sure. We'll go on to number four. Why love? Biblically, we love because we can. God has given us that. We love secondly because of who God is. We love thirdly because how God loved you. Now fourthly, because it displays God's character. Look back at verse 12. John says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. The invisible God becoming visible through our love. What an awesome thought. If you're not a Christian here today, I just want to ask you a question. How do you deal? How do you deal? My microphone's falling off here. Uh, how do you deal with the invisibility of God's love? How do you deal with the invisibility of worshiping him as he said he was? Excuse me, just one sec. How do you deal with that? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, how do you deal with the fact that God says you will never see him as he is unless you go through Christ? If you don't believe in God, we'd really like you to. We are loving you today by telling you the truth about God's word. That is how we are showing love to you today. The best picture of God's love isn't in Hollywood. It's not in a Hollywood movie or an icon of Eastern Orthodoxy or a book. The best picture of God's love is God is sitting all around you. Look, we aren't divine, but God says, you want to know God's love? Look at these people around you. Say, Darren, Christians are hypocrites. Christians have wronged me. Christians have hated me, even though they claim to be in the name of God. Never said we were perfect. Never said that we shouldn't repent of things that we should repent of. We need to, folks. But what John says is that the nature and quality of our love is from God himself. And God's plan of love comes to bear when we love each other as his character is displayed. Friends, our American culture of cruelty, this is an application point. Our American culture of cruelty means that every church can display a counterculture of mercy all the more clearly. Friends, this means that love is not always this great feeling that overcomes you. Hollywood would have you believe, as, I, as you watch the movies, how many have seen those movies, you know, they just walk by each other, it's love at first sight, anyone? And then uh, they start to live together, 
or, or get married, hopefully. Not many get married in Hollywood movies these days, but you get the point. They start living together, and life hits. Oh, man, he, uh, he leaves the toilet seat up. Or, oh, man, his coffee really isn't that good after all. And, and love is taught to us in our culture today as being spontaneous and easy. If you don't feel spontaneous, the world says, then you're not loving. Friends, the Bible says that is an outright lie. The Bible says that you should look at the cross because deliberate love is what the Bible talks about. Yeah, can love sometimes be spontaneous? Guys, sometimes you need to go lovingly to your wife and buy flowers and, 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 and hearts for her, right? Amen? And those little cutesy things that you'll never understand and I'll never understand that make her feel good about her house. Ladies, amen. You know what I'm talking about. Love is sometimes that way. But look at your marriage. Look at your job. Look at your church. Love is hard work, guys. It's hard work, isn't it? It really is. Love is the glorious work of a lifetime that God sets before us in Christ. You will love your neighbor better today as you love God better each day. And I pray that we see God has founded this church based on love. Look, love is not just a feeling. Young people, love is not just a feeling. It is to a degree, but man, if, if feelings ran our world or they do run our world, we're in a whole bunch of a mess, aren't we? Man, if every time I felt like not, when I was training for marathons, every time I felt like not running, I would never have stepped foot outside again. Those covers are nice in the winter, right? Or, or, or I would never eat a piece of pizza again because I couldn't stop running. I had to stop running to, and I couldn't do it. Friends, look, Love is very much displayed in God's character. God's character is not based on feeling. If our God is as flippant as we are, feeling one to another in our love, then we have a God that is crazy at best. He's off his rocker. And I am grateful God is not off his rocker, that he rocks this world with his sovereignty. And he rocks this world that in every detail that he has down to a T. God's love is displayed, folks, even this election season. If it doesn't go as well as you would like it to go, God's love is still displayed. Maybe in judgment on us, maybe not. God's love is still displayed even though this world rails against him. May we love others because it displays God's own character. What else is another reason to love? Number five, we love others because God has given us his son and his spirit. Look at verses 14 through 16. The Bible says this, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. I want you to note, friends, it does not say a Savior of the world. The Bible is very definite that Christ is the only Savior. If you're an underliner, that keyword the, the Savior of the world, or your version similar, is truth. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we've come to know and to believe the love of God has come for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Look, Christians are to love as the triune God, the one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has loved them. You know, many of you have asked, I've had a few questions in the last year and a half about how to talk to Muslims. How do you present the gospel to Muslims as it, as it relates? And Muslims believe, as many people believe, that you cannot know God through personal relationship. They believe that that lowers God to a level that God should not come down to. But I want you to see right here, if you're witnessing to a Muslim, these are four great verses that you can use. Verse 13, God gave us his spirit. He came down. God gave us his son. He came down. And verse 15, we're to acknowledge this fact. We're to say, look, this is truth. And this is also truth, that God the Father, 
God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Trinity, are at relationship working for our salvation. Friends, that's a great thing as you see it up there on the screen. The Father has commissioned the work. The Son accomplished the work perfectly and completely. And the Spirit applies the work. And to be saved, to know Christ, what John is saying is to be vouchsafed. I love that word. Thank you, word, and right-click thesaurus for that word. God is good. But I want you to know that word vouchsafe is an old word that means this, is that if you believe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful, co-everything, not an elevated hierarchy, that God has done this for you, then you are safe. This is why we believe that Jehovah's Witnesses, that Mormons, that those who deny the Trinity do not have this right. Friends, we do not worship three gods. It's hard enough for us to live for one God. Friends, we do not worship three gods. We worship the one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Matt read those verses. And friends, the Father has chosen us. The Son has died for us, and the Holy Spirit gives us life. Have you stopped to think about how God has given you his Son and his Spirit? Friends, no other religion can claim this. No other thought can claim this. In fact, it's such a radical idea that most people will balk at the idea. Go talk about the Trinity. So the math is 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1. That must be, what's that new math out there today? What's the new, uh, 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 what is it called? Common, common, yeah, common core. Is that common core math? I don't know. But 1 plus 1 plus 1, yes, there's one God revealed in three persons. That's the Trinity. Friends, we may not understand it on this side of the earth. We have, if you want to go to our website, towerviewkc.com, back in January, we, t- we had a whole sermon on the Trinity, but please be careful how we describe the Trinity. The Trinity is not gas, water, and helium put together. It's not, uh, I'm a father, I'm a son, and I'm a brother, and that makes it be careful what natural analogies you use to analogize, to specify, to detail the Trinity. Friends, it's a mystery, but what a great mystery it is. Amen? Some things in the Bible, as Americans, as rational as we are, we want to know everything, and we want to know it now. Friends, this is one of those things that John says, look, if you believe this, praise the Lord, but don't try and, it's mind-blowing. It really is. And someday when we get to heaven, we're going to figure part of that out, but there it is. Have you stopped to consider how God, through every person of the Trinity, has loved you so? That's a reason that you have to love. A couple more and we'll be done. What's a reason to love? You can love because you can. You can love because of who God is. You can love because God loved you. It displays God's character. He's given you his son and spirit. And now verse 16, because you have confidence, reason for confidence and not fear. It says far up there. I think I had a phone call come in. I apologize for that. But let's read verses 16 through 18. John says this, what's the reason to love? So we have come to know him and to believe the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God and God in him. By this, love is perfected within us, so that we, verse 17, may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Friends, John is saying here that love replaces fear with confidence. Did you notice again how John is not shying away from love and judgment? Friends, if a preacher just preaches God's love and never talks about judgment, run away, turn off the channel, cut the cord, don't send in the money, run, 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 run. 
God is as much love as he is wrath. He's as much mercy as he is faithfulness. His attributes are balanced equally throughout. And yet he is the holy, holy, holy God that has condescended to come down to us. John says in verse 16 that living in love and living in God is like living for God because God is love. Verse 17 says, Christ-like love details this love because of the day of judgment. Friends, false teachers of John's day had confidence that they would someday not have to stand before this judgment. That's scary, friends. There is a day of judgment coming. And yes, I'm a 33-year-old pastor with 1950s revivalist bones in me, okay? Bible bones. Friends, there is a day of judgment coming. It is a sobering thought. It is not just you're going to get pulled over by the police and, and hire a lawyer to pay off your ticket type of judgment. The judgment that is coming is all-inclusive. Every race, every ethnicity, every religion, every type of everything will be judged on that day. Every loose thought that we've had, every loose word, every loose intention or motivation of our hearts. Friends, that is what we're here to stand up to tell you. Our world is headed towards judgment. We don't know when that day is, and we're not going to be predicting that day. But when that day comes... The Bible says here that you do not have to fear, Christian. What is your confidence? What is your confidence to stand before a thrice holy God on that day? What is it, Christian? Your confidence is that God has loved you so in Jesus Christ. Friends, you are not going to stand on Judgment Day and say, Man, I helped, at, I helped at church Sunday school for 57 years and 2 minutes and 5 seconds. Great, that's awesome. You're not saved because you did this, that, or that. You are saved and have confidence on that day because of what God has done for you. And we need not fear that day, Christian. Need not fear that day. But friends, there is a time coming that if you're not a Christian, that will be you. What are you doing, non-Christian? What is your confidence to stand before this God? You say, Darren, show me the proof of that God. Friend, I don't need to. You can look around you. The Bible says that even looking around at nature is enough to know that there is a God. General revelation. And sometimes, Christian, we need to also remember, as, just as, as an aside note, that the time to display faith and confidence in God's sovereignty is when things are not as they should be. Anyone can believe when life is not good. The confidence you have for the day of judgment, Christian, is not just reserved for that day. It's reserved for the everyday stuff that th- God, in His sovereignty, throws your way. Health, bad relationships, terrible job. Uh, uh, our, uh, our struggle the last couple of weeks, kids... Kids not going to sleep when they should go to sleep. Parents, amen? Things like that. When God throws you hard stuff, remember that it is the same sovereign God that gives you confidence for the day of judgment. It's the same sovereign God that gives you confidence to live and face the trials of life that are in front of you right now. Friends, a lot of people say they love God, but they struggle with that confidence. Friends, every worry you have, every concern that you have can be taken before God. Cast your care on Him. He cares for you. Non-Christian, the only care that I have for you this morning is that you know this God. He died for you. He gave his son for you that you would live for him, that you would live for him. Let's go on to number seven. Friends, you can also love because it is the visible sign of your love for the invisible God. Notice what John says here, verses 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. He says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. John says our love for others is a sign you know God. 
It's a sign you're a Christian. It's a sign there's real life flowing through your spiritual veins. Because of who we are called to love, because he first loved us. Friends, I just want to, you could spend a sermon on that. We did back in January. God has loved you before you loved him. He loved you despite who you are, despite who you would be. Friends, let me be very clear once again. God did not love you by looking down the corridor of time and seeing that you might have potential to love him back. That is bad theology. Theology teaches that God in all his sovereignty and all his wisdom and all his planning looked nowhere except within himself in his own predetermined plan and saw nothing you brought to the table. But as Ephesians 1 and Romans 9 tells us, he, he loved us despite us. What an amazing God, guys. Do you realize that every other God in this world, you bring something to the table, you offer something in return. You scratch my back there, God says, I'll scratch your back. God, we, guys, we couldn't even get in within an inch of scratching God's back because he's holy, 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 amen? And yet he loved us. And yet he gave his son for us. God loved us in Christ. In his teaching and loving, he first loved us. If you've seen him, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. Friends, let's not confuse the verses here. This does not mean, this does not mean that you, we have not seen Christ. Christ was the full representation, the full deity of God in himself, in Christ was him. And in the Old Testament, this is where a lot of Bible critics come up and they say, well, Darren, didn't people die for seeing God in the Old Testament? Yes, they did. They did. But now in Christ, if you see Christ, you see the Father. Friends, if you love others, visibly. That is a sign you love the invisible God. Has anyone ever told you, if God would just show up right now, I'd believe? Has anyone, anyone ever heard that before? If God would just show up right now in this room, I would believe. Well, guys, he walked around, Christ did for 33 years, in the midst of some pretty hard-hearted people. And what did they do to him? They crucified him. The prayer is not, God, show up to me. The prayer is, is, is where do I stand before God? Who do I have? The new birth, this is the application where the new birth is the invisible root and a changed life is the invisible or is, is the visible fruit. The new birth is the invisible root and a changed life is the visible fruit. How do you know you're a Christian? You know you're a Christian because the Bible says if you do not love your brothers or sisters or the neighbors that you have and, and, and Christ, of course, in Luke 10 defined neighbor as anyone who comes across your path. Remember the Good Samaritan. How do you know the truth? Because you are committed to love particular people. You're committed to love the church universal. You're committed to love all the people of this world. Friends, this does not mean you're a doormat. This does not mean that you say, well, the pastor said to love everyone, so here's my house, here's everything. Look, God may call you, friend, to share all your house and go serve him in a country far, far away. And praise God if he does. God may call you to give away your car to someone or some of your money. God may likely do that for you. It's his stuff anyway, right? But one thing we know is that love does not mean you are a doormat. Love is founded on good principle teaching. And the teaching is, is that God has given you the foundation. He loved you first. There's your foundation. Therefore, you can now love one another. And as you love others, you show whether you or not you're a Christian. You really, really do. Friends, may we never separate from each other wrongly in this church. May we remember that our love for each other is a visible witness to the world that is watching. We'll close with this last one. Why love? Here's one last reason. Because you must obey the God you claim to love. 
Love sounds good until it gets down to commands sometimes, doesn't it? Look back at verse 21. We'll end right here. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves must also love his brother. Friends, now we must love our brother. If you're not a Christian here today, is love an optional part of your religion? Love is at the very heart of our religion. It really is. Love each other and our neighbors. Follow the pattern of Christ who loved us to the point of laying down his life. Christian, as we enter an election season, I, I, we do not have a TV, and I am thankful uh, that my wife is wise and said no TVs. I'm sick of hearing ads of, uh, from people on Facebook about political stuff. If you have a TV, God bless you, because uh, we got rid of it because we don't want to hear that junk, because uh, it's just attack, 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 attack right now, right? It really is. Christians, here's the last application point for you. Christians have more opportunities than ever to obey Christ's love and command to love our enemies. We do. This is not a time to sacrifice biblical truth. It's not a time to sacrifice biblical morals, ethics, run the list of things we stand for factually and experientially. But there is something to reach across the table and show the love of Christ by the way we present ourselves. Christian friend, there is no loveless Christianity. Christian doctrine can't lack the foundation of love. Love is something that's been commanded to you. I know that's hard to get because when we think of love in this culture, as we mentioned, we think of just this gushy, feely stuff. You know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Puppy love. You know that phrase. I mean, I've heard that phrase before. Puppy love. It's whatever that means. Friends, love is not an irresistible force of nature. Love is not a Hollywood movie drawing this person here and this person there. Uh, I watched uh, a couple days ago when Natalie was at work, I watched the, uh, um, the Adjustment Bureau. If anyone's ever seen that movie before, and it's a very odd science fiction movie. I'm weird like that. And I like Star Trek and Star Wars too. Uh, you can Trekkie me and, and Star Wars me later. But beware of love that is some gravitational force that draws you in. Friends, love is not like that. Choiceless love. The Bible calls us to have a love that can be commanded and obeyed. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a command of Scripture. That's not an optional thing. Because look, there are times when you may not love your spouse in a way. You had a fight. You had a a bickering. You had something. Love them anyway. Church member, there may be a time when I say something from the pulpit that you may not love me back the way I should or I shouldn't love you back the way I... Vice versa. Beware of the cheap counterfeits of this love. As you give out, as a millionaire drops a penny, that kind of love may be natural, but it isn't worthwhile. As a Christian, a love is commanded to love as Christ has loved you. That's a command of Scripture, friend. As we consider this Maple Corners project that is going up behind us, friends, I want us to balance that out. As our leadership team prays through it, and we've heard a lot of things, we need to balance out the love for the neighbor with the stewardship of our property. We do. But may we remember that no matter if this project goes forward or not, that our, our call is to love Gracemore across the five to 6,000, maybe you live in that area, across the highway, to love Maple Park from, from Randolph all the way over to Brighton, to love uh, Clay Como and, and partner with Scott and Clay Como Baptist and do those sorts of things. Whoever God puts in our neighborhood, friend, whatever that is, and there are hard questions we need to ask the city about that process, but whoever God brings in, I pray that we command this love one to another. Doesn't mean we sacrifice who we are. Doesn't mean we sacrifice our identity as a church. But I pray this church is open to whoever may God bring in our back door. I pray that's the case. I pray that's the case of the multi-million dollar church down the road, of the small country church where I grew up in up north. I pray whatever, whomever comes in this room, if they feel the love of God through us. Why? Because that is the command of Scripture. I hope you see that balance in there. 
Friends, how are you doing with this? Do you know the love of Christ in your life today? Will you bow your heads with me as we pray and close out?